Hey, listen, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here today. I'm, I'm glad you decided to brave the cold and the rain to show up. And I, I believe that maybe there's nothing more important than this moment. I really do. I know you're really important. I know you got a lot of important things to do all week long, but there's something about coming together as the community of God to get into the presence of Jesus that I'm telling you, things begin to shift inside of you. And some of you today, you're going to feel something stir inside of you you haven't felt in a while. I believe that because the spirit of God is here. Now, how many of you were here at the beginning of the year when we did a 21-day fast named move? Oh, come on, raise your hand. Okay. Yeah. How many of you participated in the fast? Raise your hand. All right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, we started off this year, we took 21 days and we said, let's use that time to prioritize the presence of God as we began this year. And we were calling it move because we are praying and asking God to move on our behalf. I don't know if there's some things that you are praying for that hopefully God answered this year. Maybe there's some things you're still praying for, but we believe that God moves, that God moves when we pray and that things change in our life when we pray. And so we started off this year dedicating that. Now, let me just say this. I want to prepare you for 22. We're going to do it again. Okay. Because I believe that it is, we start off our week giving God the best. Let's start off our year giving God the best. And I believe that it will change you. And so you just need to get mentally prepared, get ready to go on a diet. It's not a diet, it's a fast. Get ready to give something up, but I'm telling you, God's going to move in your life. Now, as we were um, starting the year off with move, I was praying a couple months ago and I said, God, how do we end the year? Because I know how we started, but God, what do you want to do in our church? How do you want us to end this year? I always pray for God to give me something that will inspire us. I want to bookend our year with the presence of God. I want to bookend the year where we're asking and believing God for big things. I want to bookend this year. And so we started off with move. But I felt like it was time to shift things just a little bit. Instead of asking God to move on our behalf, what would it look like for us to ask God to use us to create a movement in the world around us? So we started off saying, God, we want you to move. Now, I believe God's going to say to us, it's time for you to move. What's the movement that God wants to do in us? God wants to do something. And so you're going to have to move a little bit for this series. In fact, I'm going to need you to move a little bit right now, right where you are. I don't care who's next to you. I want you to swing your arms. If you need to do some jumping jacks, I want you, if the person next to you is not moving, shove them a little bit. Give them a little bit of a push. Now, only do that if you know them. That would be inappropriate. I don't want any emails about assault that happened in church. Don't do that. If you have any emails, you send all your complaints to rust.more at the x.church. I need you to involve your neighbor a little bit more. I, I need you to turn to them and I need you to help me announce my title today. The title of my message, you just repeat after me, say the church is moving. Say it again. The church is moving. We're moving. We're going somewhere. Do you hear me today? The church is moving. Now, I know some of you, some of you are thinking, we just got here. We just moved in. I know that's how you feel. But if you give me some grace, let me unpack a truth today that I believe God wants to stir something in us. I hope you feel it. 
I hope you feel it. I feel it. I feel the presence of God. He wants to stir something in you. This is not a normal Sunday. This is not just like we just went to church and we did church. There's something deeper here that God wants to do in you. And I believe that. Would you bow your heads? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray in this moment, as we step into the very real presence of God and we turn to the word of God, Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our heart to receive revelation from heaven. God, I don't want to just show up and do church. I don't want to show up and attend a great experience. But God, my prayer is that there would be something transformative that would happen. I pray, God, you help me to get out of the way. God, I pray you help me to communicate the word that you've given to me for our church in this season. And so, God, I, I pray that you open our hearts to receive it. God, I'm grateful for this moment so easy to think we just want life to keep moving by that we also don't pause and reflect and thank him for moments like this you're a good God God I'm thankful for all that you've given to us as we go into thanksgiving God I pray that I have a heart of gratitude a thankful spirit thankful for the people thankful for the purpose thankful for the church that you have given to us God, we love you. We praise you. We honor your name today. And everybody said together, come on, can we give him praise one more time? Get your hands moving. All right, you can move your butt into a seat. You can sit down. And uh, I am uh, I'm so excited for this message. I'm excited for this series movement. And I know I got you moving, but now I need you to sit still so I can get this word to you. Can you do that? In fact, I wonder how still you can sit. I, I, I thought I'd do a little experiment and see how, how still you can be. Because I know it feels like life sometimes is always moving, and then there are times where I just feel like I need to sit still. You ever feel like that? And I think about Psalm 4610 where God says, be still and know that I am God. And so I understand that there's a context with that. But I thought we'd do a little bit of an experiment here now that I got you moving. Can you sit still? And so I'm going to count to five. I'm going to give you five seconds that I would like for you when I count to five to, to sit perfectly still. So you need to get your hands positioned so that you can hold them. I don't want you to blink. I don't want you to twitch a muscle. I don't want you to swallow. I don't want you to do any of that. I just want you to see if you can sit perfectly still. You can play along at home. I want you to see if you can 100% still. Do not move an inch, a millimeter. All right, I'm going to be watching. All right, I'm, I'm the teacher. I get to watch. So uh, in the moment, I'm going to I'm going to say go, and I'm going to count to five, and I want to see if you can do it. I'm, I'm going to watch. Ready? On your mark, good set, go. One, two, three, four, five. Wow, you all failed miserably. No, I'm serious. You failed miserably. I know you're, you're thinking, no, 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 not me. It was probably the person down the aisle, but I was sitting so still. I didn't blink. I didn't burp. I didn't do anything. I was perfectly still. I know you think that, but the reason why you failed is not because you didn't sit still. It's because you aren't still. Now, let me, let me see if I can paint this picture for you. The reason why you weren't still is because you were actually moving. Here's what I mean by that. And I was playing a little trick on you, okay? The truth is this. You are moving even as you sit still. Did you know that? Did you know that right now, 
even though you guys are all focused on me and everything feels real level, do you realize that our planet, the Earth, is actually rotating on its axis at a thousand miles an hour? We're literally spinning a thousand miles an hour right now. But that's not it. That's not all, okay? Not only is our planet spinning on its axis at a thousand miles an hour, but our planet is also moving in orbit around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour. So we're spinning and we're moving at the same time. But that's not it. That's not it. You thought that was it? Also, our planet and our sun in our galaxy, the Milky Way. Did you know that the Milky Way currently, right now, is spinning 490,000 miles per hour? That our galaxy is, oh, by the way, that's not it. Not only is our galaxy spinning in the universe, but our galaxy is also moving through the universe at 2.2 million miles per hour. Now, some of you are thinking, I thought we were done with the science series. I came ready for something else. That's all. I'm not, okay. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, is there's this paradox where in one moment God says, be still. But the reality is, I can't be still. You can't be still. Why? Because God made and built into our existence constant movement. The planet is moving and we're orbiting and the universe inside of that, our galaxy is moving because God created this constant movement. Do you realize that even when you are fast asleep, even when you are like totally 100% out, the deepest level of sleep there is, do you realize you're still moving? Did you know that? Did you know that when you get into the deepest form of sleep, did you know that your eyes still moving? Have you ever heard of REM, rapid eye movement, where your eye, you look like a zombie, a little weird, that your eyes twitch inside your eyelids? Did you know that? By the way, did you also know that when you are fast asleep, that your heart is still moving, that it's contracting and it's pushing blood, and blood is flowing like a river through a network of veins and arteries throughout your body so that you can keep sleeping? Did you know at that same time that your lungs are actually inhaling and exhaling? They're filling up with oxygen and then they're expelling carbon dioxide? Did you also know that at any given moment that there are millions upon millions of cells inside your body that are constantly moving 24-7? What, what I'm trying to get you to see today is that you are made for movement. You and I, we're made even when we're Still, you're actually made for movement. And I want to say it this way. You're not just made for movement, but that we were also created to be a movement. That's what I want to talk about. We're created to be a movement. Now, if you were here back in May as we went into the summer, we did um, a series throughout the summer. Does anybody remember what it was called? Unstoppable. We did a series called Unstoppable, and we were talking about the church and and the church, as it, as it goes through the book of Acts, and we walk through all these stories of the church, and what we discovered is there's a link between that church 2,000 years ago and the church that we are today, that we are inextricably linked forever because we are that church. And the church was always intended to be not just a building or a structure, but an unstoppable force, a force for good, a force of grace, a force for hope, a force for love to go into the world. That's what Jesus said he was going to create this unstoppable force. And if you were here for week one of that series, 
We started in Matthew 16 before we jumped into the book of Acts. Today, I want to go back to Matthew 16. And so if you brought a Bible with you or you've got an iPhone or does anybody have a droid? You've got a droid. That's okay. Droids work too. Uh, Galaxy. What else do they have that no, I don't know? What else is? If you got any kind of device, you brought your laptop with you. Go ahead and turn it on. That's fine. I would love for you to engage with us as we dive into God's word. Matthew chapter 16. Now, let me give you the context because some of you may not have been here then. And if you were, you don't remember. Let's be honest. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus, um, he has this moment where he, he asks his disciples a really, really crazy question. Now, I want to just say this question that he asked them. I would not suggest asking this question to your friends or your family unless you are really confident in yourself, okay? He asked his disciples, he said, guys, who do people say that I am? What do people say about me? Now, again, I don't want to ask that question. Uh, Sometimes I just don't want to know. But what do people say about me? And they spoke up and some were like, well, some think you're John the Baptist. And he probably said, that's odd. John baptized me. We were standing right next to each other. How can I be him? And others thought he was Elijah, the prophet. This was a prophet that didn't die, but the story goes that God actually swept him up into heaven alive. And so then Jesus, maybe you came back as Elijah, okay? There are all these ideas. And that's when Peter, the kind of loud mouth of the group, right? He speaks up and he says, you're the Christ or the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus, in this moment, it's a revelatory moment, he's like, yes, Peter, finally. And that's when he changes his name from Simon to Peter. And I want you to hear what he says to his disciples in Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19. He said this. He said, and I tell you that you are Peter, Petros, and on this rock, he said, I will build my what? I want you to say it out loud. I will build my? Come on, say it again. I will build my? I will build my? church. And he said, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I like this part. He says, I'll give you the keys to drive the car. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, can I just tell you, this is one of the most important moments that Jesus has with his disciples. It really is. Here's Jesus, and he's telling them about what he planned to do, okay, and what he planned to start. He's talking to him about this thing he's going to build called the church. Now, here's the thing, and I I want to show where maybe we've kind of got disconnected from what Jesus actually said. Because most of us, depending on your experience with church, most of us, when we hear this idea that we're going to build the church, we think about a building. Let's just be honest. We think about, where do I go to church? Oh, I go to X church. It's over there in Canal Winchester. The address is this. We think about a structure. We think about concrete. And we think about steel and drywall and insulation and lights and all this good stuff. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. When Jesus said, I will build my church, what he was saying was this. I'm going to start a movement. I want to start something. I'm going to start something from the ground, a grassroots kind of movement that is going to change the world. Now, for all the new kids in the class, and I know we've got a lot of new people that maybe weren't here over the summer, but, but, but it's just a refresher. I actually think that when Jesus said, I'll build my church, that what we have in our translation in English is less of a translation and more of a transliteration. 
it's actually a poor substitute for what Jesus really said. Now, I don't know if you remember the word for church. Some of you might remember this. It's kind of a strange word. But in the Greek, that word for church is this word ekklesia. Everybody say it out loud with me. Say ekklesia, ekklesia, right? Here's what it means. It means to be called out, called out ones. That's what this, this word ekklesia means. This is what Jesus said. He said, guys, I'm going to build an ecclesia. I'm going to start a called out. Now, if that seems confusing, it's because we think of church like a building. But the word ecclesia, literally derivative of two words to be called out of and to gather together, is a term that maybe here's a good word picture for you. It's like what the military might use when they had to call people out of their homes to gather and assemble together for a mission or a purpose. That's what an ecclesia is. So Jesus said, I'm going to call people out of their homes. They're going to assemble and gather, and I'm going to send them on a mission. Okay, this is the church. This is what he said, right? Now, when I turned 18 years old, um, I had to fill out a form that I would imagine maybe some of you have never filled out before. Uh, I had to sign up for something. I, I remember just being told, hey, you turn 18, right? When you turn 18, you need to sign up for this thing called selective service. How many have ever heard of selective service? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. Now, listen to me very closely. If you are a man between the ages of 18 and 25, right now, okay? Selective service is something that our federal government enacted back in 1980, which was basically a voluntary, involuntary signing up to serve in the military. Okay, the selective service was something when I turned 18, now back then you couldn't do it online, but I had a little piece of paper that I had to fill out and I had to mail it in and then I would get a little card back and I kept it. I still have this card. I got this little green card that they sent to me, my number that I signed up for selective service. Now you're not volunteering to go into the military when you do that. You're volunteering that if we ever get to a point where it's a national emergency and we need more troops, what our government's going to do is they're going to go to the selective service full of all the names of the people who volunteered to be, to be called up involuntarily and then put into the military to go fight. Okay? Now, this is, this is what I had to do. I haven't even heard the term selective service, and i got to be honest with you, in decades. So it made me start to wonder how many of you who are 18 to 25 men have actually done it. Because I don't hear anybody talking about it. And if you're saying, well, wait a minute, and one of you, you're a woman, and you're going, what about us? Here's the thing. Um, women don't have to do it. And this is where I'm with you, ladies. I'd be ticked off because I'm all about equality, and I think if the men should have to sign up, the women should also have to sign up. Hello? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It should be fair. I agree. I'm with you. All right? I stand with you. By the way, if you do not enlist in the selective service, you could potentially, even today, be penalized with a felony, if you were charged with it, that could come with five years of prison time and a fine up to $250,000. So here's what I'm going to do. I normally don't like this during the message, but if you're between 18 and 25 and you have not signed up for this, I'm going to give you grace to get your phone out, do a quick little search, selective service, and go ahead and register online, Okay. This is, this is what the government requires. And so when you think about ecclesia, here's what I want you to picture. I want you to picture, in the military sense, it's like being called up 
out from your home to assemble with a group to have a purpose and sent out for mission. Now, here's what you need to know about Jesus, right? With Jesus, he's not like our government. It's not an order, it's an invitation. When Jesus talks about an ecclesia, he's not saying, hey guys, I got a selective service and I want everybody to sign up and I might pull some names out of the hat and after that, you're gonna have, no. With Jesus, it's for everybody and it's not an order, it's an invitation. Now, if you follow the life of Jesus, one thing you'll discover is that he was constantly inviting people to things. He, he, was, he was inviting himself into things and he invited people who would come with him. Jesus always had this invitation that he would give to people. And we see that right in this moment where he tells them, he says, guys, I'm gonna start a movement. I gotta start a movement. This is not a command, it's an invitation, okay? Now, in just a moment, he's about to, He's about to kind of tell them what he's inviting them to. But I want you to note this. This is interesting. If you maybe want to read through this on your own, that little passage. Right after Jesus says, I'm going to start a movement like an army. Right after he says that, it says in that passage that from that moment forward, he started to tell them over and over about how he was going to get killed. I want you to think of the irony of this. Guys, I'm going to start a movement. They're going to kill me. Think about this. He said, I'm gonna be back in three days, but they're gonna kill me, but we're gonna start a movement, but they're gonna kill me. This is what he says, right? And then he looks at them, his followers, and he says something shocking. This could have been really shocking. Look at verse 24, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus, looking at his disciples, he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and do what? Say it out loud, and... Come on, say it again out loud. They follow me. I want you to pay attention to this invitation because this invitation is the same invitation that he extends to you and me if we're gonna be part of the ecclesia. Okay, this is the invitation. He's like, guys, we're gonna start a movement. It's gonna be incredible. And if you wanna be a part of it, then here's your invitation. And I want you to pick up, that's why I had you say that word. His invitation was to follow him. Jesus was constantly going up to people when they would say, ah, I'm with you. He would say, all right, come follow me. This was his line. This was his invitation all the time. Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me. This wasn't the first time the disciples heard this. They had heard this before because this is what Jesus would say. Come and follow me. I want you to note something. This is really important, I think, for today, church in America. I need you to hear this. He didn't say in this moment, I'm gonna start a movement. We're gonna call it the church. And here's what my invitation is to you. Believe in me. He didn't say that. Jesus did not invite them to believe in him. They invited Jesus to him. Jesus invited them to follow him. There's a difference. Jesus didn't say, hey, guys, come have faith in me. No, he said, come walk with me. Why does this matter? Because I need you to grasp this. If you are going to say, I'm with Jesus, if you're someone who says, I follow Jesus, it's not just about saying, I believe in him, but it's about saying, I'm going to follow him. And there's movement to that. There's action to that. There's steps to that. Jesus didn't say, hey, come believe in me. He said, come follow me. Why? Because Jesus was always on the move. You don't believe me? Go read the Gospels. 
Jesus didn't have a home that he stayed at. He would go from place to place to place. He was always on the move. He did not have this place. He did not come up with this idea. Guys, we're going to start a movement, and we're going to start it based right here in Nazareth because I've got property in Nazareth. And so I want you guys to come follow me to Nazareth, and then we're going to put up the structure, and it's going to be massive, and we're going to build an empire, and we're going to invite everybody, hey, come and join and be part of the empire. That's not what Jesus did. You know what Jesus did? He went from place to place to place to place, sharing the good news and the hope, and he kept moving. He was always on the move. Jesus did not sit stagnant, but he was moving, and he looked at his disciples, and he would look at you and me today, and he would say, I didn't ask if you believe in me. James, the brother of Jesus, tells us the demons believe in him. What is that? How does that differentiate you? I didn't ask that. I said, come follow me. I said, there's movement to that. Are you moving? Are you going somewhere? Now, let, let me just ask this question. I, I want you to know something if you're here in this church, and you maybe pick up on this, maybe you don't. But I, I rarely say the word Christian when I'm talking about Jesus' disciples. I don't like the word. I, I, I'm not saying because I think it's a bad word. I think it's a misunderstood word. I think in our culture today, it's been so diluted the 80 some percent of people might say, well, I'm a Christian. It means nothing today in our culture, in our world. And so I don't like to use that term. I will every once in a while, but most of the time, the term I'll use, I'll say, are you a Jesus follower or a Christ follower? Because we have disassociated this idea. If I'm a Christian, I believe in him. But what he's actually called us to do is to follow him. And there's a difference. And so I'll ask, are you a Jesus follower? Are you a Christ follower? Now, let me ask a question, and I just love you to participate in this. And if you're not, hey, I'm glad you're here. I say this all the time. If you don't have faith, if you're not even sure you believe in Jesus, I love the fact that you're here. You'll hear us say this all the time. You don't have to believe to belong. By the way, Jesus' first invitation to people wasn't to believe in him, it was to follow him. And I believe that if you'll come and you just learn the ways of Jesus, you're going to fall so in love with him and who he was that you're going to start following him, and you start following him long enough, you're going to meet him, and all of a sudden you're going to go, wow, I believe he is the son of God. But hey, the invitation is to follow, is to follow. And so let me ask you this question real quick, show of hands. How many of you would classify yourself or say that you are a Jesus follower, you follow Jesus? Raise your hand, raise your hand. That's a lot of you, that's a lot of you, that's awesome, that's awesome. Let me ask you a follow-up question, this is part B. Where? Ooh, that's good answer. Where, that, that's my question. Where are you, where are you going? And, and I'm pushing back a little bit because I need to reframe for us if you thought that to be a, a Christian means I just believe, but it doesn't actually create flow in your life. There's no movement in your life. You're not actually going anywhere. You just believe something. Then what I'm saying is you actually are missing what Jesus really wanted. He invites us to follow him. He doesn't say, just believe in me, but it, there's movement that should be in our lives. And so I say, where? Where are you going? Now, here, if you're going, okay, I don't know where it is. Help me out, pastor. The answer is this. It's actually not in a destination. 
It's not to a single place. It's not to 6600 Biggerton Bend, Canal Winchester, Ohio, 43110. It's not to X Church. It's not a destination. It's a direction. It's a disposition. It's not to a place. But what it means is that you have a mindset that every place you go, you walk into that space going, I'm bringing Jesus with me. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm following Jesus. Like he said, every place I go, it's a mindset. It's a mindset. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going somewhere. My life should be going somewhere. The focus of my life should be going somewhere. But why do you think Jesus really said, come follow me? I mean, it maybe made a little more sense because he actually went from town to town to town to town to town. Or maybe there's a deeper meaning to this, even for us. You see, I really believe when he says, come follow me, we have to understand this truth. In order to follow Jesus, you actually have to leave something behind. That's why I think it's a deeper ask. It's a greater invitation. Believe in me. Well, I could believe in him. There's a lot of evidence for his resurrection. We talked about that in the series. You could listen to that and go, I actually do believe in Jesus. There's a difference between believing that he is who he said he is and actually following him in your life. And the real challenge is that he invites us to follow him because he's asking us to leave something behind. What did he say? He said, if you want to be my disciple, he said, deny yourself and take up your cross. That sounds painful. What's he saying? He's not saying you need to physically die. There are some, many who have. But what he's actually saying is that you need to die to yourself. In other words, the life that I want for myself and here's what I know about you because I know this about me. I spend a lot of time thinking about the life I want. I spend a lot of time building the life I want. I spend a lot of time preparing for the retirement I want. I spend a lot of time thinking about the house. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about the stuff that I want. And what Jesus challenges us with is he says, here's what I want you to do. I need you to leave something behind if you're going to follow me. You, you mean I have to give up all of that stuff if I'm going to follow Jesus? No, not necessarily. What he's asking us to give up is control over it. He's asking us to give up our plans. I've planned my lifestyle. I've planned how I want to live. I've planned all these things. He's saying, okay, if you want to follow me, give up control over that, and you surrender it to me, and you let me guide your life, and let me lead you. There is a difference between believing in him and following him. And some of you, maybe you've never been told this. Some of you have loved the grace and the love and the mercy you find in his community and with him, but no one has ever kind of just looked you in the eye and told you, yeah, but to follow Jesus, you need to give up something. And I, I know some of you might think, because this is the way we would think, you want me to give up some of the stuff that I, my dreams, my hopes, the things I want to follow him? That seems like a bad trade. That's what some of us might be thinking. We might not even verbalize it. But we believe it. That seems like a bad trade. I got all this stuff I want to do for me. And you want me to give that up to follow him? This seems like a really... Now, I think Jesus knew that that's what his disciples would say. I think he knew it. He asked some of them to walk away from their businesses, their wealth. I think he knew it. That's why he followed up with these words. Listen, verse 25. Verses 25 through 27, Jesus said this. He said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. He's like, guys, I need to show you something. 
Okay, I, I, need, I need you to see this truth. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will actually do what? Will they'll find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now look at verse 27. We often don't, don't tell this verse, but I think it's important. It says, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels, and then he will do what? Everybody say that word out loud. Then he will, come on, say it again. He will, he's going to reward each person according to what they have believed. He'll record, reward each person according to how much faith they have. He'll reward each person to how many times they went to church that year. He'll reward each person according to how they mark the box on their form with their religious status. He will reward each person, what did he say, according to what they have done. Action. I'm just trying to show you the scriptures, guys. This is not me making stuff, but this is me showing you what Jesus said. He said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to leave something behind. And I know it seems like a bad trade, but I'm telling you something. It's not a bad trade. Because what people think that they're going to find in this world that's going to bring them so much satisfaction and joy, what they're actually going to discover is that it actually steals the real life that I intended for them. And there's so many people that are pursuing that in this world. But what your soul really craves is purpose and meaning and life. And it's only something that you can find through the hand of God and the spirit of God inside of you. And so he, he, he says, guys, this isn't a bad trade. It's a better trade. Come on, it's a better trade. Turn to the person next to you, tell them it's better. Come on, tell them it's better. Come on, put it in the chat, it's better. It's a better trade. It's an upgrade. Can I say it that way? You had an iPhone 8. He wants to get you a 13 Pro. It's an upgrade. I don't know how else to describe this to you. It's not a bad trade, it's a better trade. What the world offers, it looks so enticing for a while, but let me just tell you, it, 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 it destroys it steals, it kills, it, it leaves us feeling empty. It's not the life that Jesus intended for us. It's a better trade. In fact, I wanted to share a story with you today of somebody in our community that found the better trade. I, I wanted to share a story of a, of a young lady named Brittany who um, she walked through a journey, a painful journey, and she actually discovered that life with Christ was so much better than what the world has to offer. Take a look at this story. Hi, my name is Brittany, and uh, I've been struggling with alcohol since I was about, probably 18 is when it really just started being like a every night, definitely every weekend thing. I got in a really bad car accident when I was 24. And I almost died. I was drinking and driving, crashed into a rock wall. I was pronounced dead at the scene, and they had to use the jaws of life to like get me out. But unfortunately, my struggle with alcohol continued and continued and continued. And then I got to a point where I was just drinking so much that it was medicine. My family didn't know, and my friends didn't know like how like depressed I was, and they didn't realize that I was like 
actively trying to like take my life. My thought process was Harper will be better off without me. Like, cause the day, and then the day that I was going to like take my life, I had it planned out. I like woke up at seven o'clock in the morning, started taking shots of whiskey, went out to the pool, and I was just gonna drink until I ran out. And then um, I had a gun and I was just gonna go home and just, God had other plans because somebody called the cops on me <laughs> and I, I got arrested that day. He took me in, a couple days after that, I, I got released and my mom was like, you need help. Like, so I had to like, when I was in rehab and I had to like relearn like all my thinking habits. And I started realizing once I got into rehab and I started like looking at the big picture because I was sober, I, haven't been, I wasn't able to like look at how I was really acting and how I was really affecting her because I was always under the influence. And then when I took a step back and got sober in rehab, I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't want her to see me like that. After about three weeks, I was all in, and I knew that, without a shadow of a doubt, that it was definitely God that had saved my life. And we moved back to Ohio in January 2020, and I was, I was feeling good, right out of rehab, like, but I started feeling, um, I just felt like something was missing, like something was still like, missing and so um i started going to the at the x in december of 2020 so it's almost been a year and it's been it's been great i've made lots of good friends i have an amazing circle and when i truly decided to put god first that's when things really started changing for me so I got baptized because I just wanted to completely release everything and you know just give everything away. So and I don't know if it's I don't I can't explain it really. <laughs> I just I'm just actively just at peace and just like enjoying each day as it comes to me. Man. I, I bet you if you ask Brittany, she'd say it's a better trade. It's a better trade. What God offers us is so much better than what this world has to offer us. Do you hear it? It's a better trade. And Jesus invites us. Listen, he's calling us and he invites us. He says, it's time to leave your life. I'm inviting you to a mission and a purpose. I'm inviting you into what I want to build. And listen, he never wanted to build a building. He wanted to build Brittany's. He wanted to build people like that that need hope. He wanted to build a life. He wanted to build this in your life. This is what, this is what he's calling us to. And so here in our church, we, we care so much that every single person who says, I'm a Jesus follower, that they find their place and they begin to get into the flow. They get it. There's movement in their life. I don't want this just to be a place where you come and camp for an hour and then you go about your life. That's not what Jesus intended. But I want you to find your, your movement within this church. And we have this mission statement that I, I wanted to say it and put it up because 
I really want, and I know many of you are new, to really grasp it. This is the heart and the vision. This is, this is kind of what matters to me when it comes to our church. And so they're going to stick up the mission statement right now, but I, I would love for all of you to say it out loud with me, okay? So when I count to three, and would you just say it? This is what our mission is, one, two, three. Helping people get on the path to God. Say it again with me. Helping people get on the path to God. Do you notice that there's movement in that statement? And then see, helping people believe in Jesus. I hope that happens too. But we want to help people get on the path to God. It indicates there's a journey, that he invites us to follow him, not just believe in him. That, that we're walking down this path. And in fact, we're all walking down two paths, Jesus said. And I want to invite you on the path that leads to life. But here's the unique part about this. This is not just a church, like an organizational statement. This is a personal one for you and me. We are called to help people get on the path to God. Not collectively. I know church as a church we are, but I want to ask you, how are you doing that? Are you part of the movement? Or are you standing on the riverbank watching the river go by? Are you in it? Are you a part of it? Or are you just attending and watching it? In fact, let me put it to you this way, and I would love if you just give me the grace for just one weekend to just get in your business for a moment. If I could just step on some of your toes. Your toes are going to hurt for a little bit, but that's okay, because I want to ask you a question. This is what I, I came to do today. I want to ask you this real simple question as Jesus invites us into it, and you know the mission and what we are here at this church. The question is this, are you helping or are you watching? Are you helping or are you watching? Are you giving and a part of it or are you just receiving? Are you in the flow of, of making a difference in someone's life or are you just showing up, taking a little dip? Now listen, if you don't know Jesus, this, we all exist for you. So you just come and receive and you just come and join in community and just come and find life and hope. I want you that. But if you're someone that said, I'm a Jesus follower, you need to know he did not die so you would attend church. He died so that you would get on his mission, so that you would say, I'm going to step out of my life and my home and I'm going to follow him. And so are you helping or are you watching? That was my question. I know it's a little challenging, but I intended it to be today. I really did. Because listen, following Jesus requires taking steps. It requires walking. It requires action. It requires movement. And so I, I want to give just a few minutes here, just a real brief way to challenge some of you to respond today. It's great, we can get excited and stirred up, but if it doesn't result in taking steps, it's pointless. There needs to be action. There needs to be a response. And so I, I wanna give you a way that maybe if you're here and you're kind of asking the question, I don't know, I, I tend to watch a lot more than I'm actually participating. I tend to just kind of dip my foot in here and there, but I don't actually get into the river. Then, then I wanna challenge you today. And let me give you three ways. For many of you that are newer to this community, and we've got a lot of new people, hundreds of new people have been coming for the last year since we moved here to Canal Winchester. I, I wanna invite you to find your purpose and your passion. And we have an experience once a month called Welcome to the X. That's your next step. Please hear me clearly. We had many sign up at the last experience. So this is my challenge. If you're newer, and newer could mean two weeks, could be two months. It could be two years. Let me just say it this way. If you're someone who says, to be truthful, I stand on the side and I watch it happen, but I don't actually get into it, then this is for you. It's your next step. 
and it's just once a month. It's at 11.15, okay, here at the property. You can attend 9.30 so you don't miss any one of these incredible messages of the series because you're not going to miss those. But at 11.15, and, and just for an hour or so, here's why. We want to meet you and connect you with your purpose and passion here. We want to help you find flow. We want to help you find movement in your life. Not just teach you about Jesus, but we want to show you what it means to follow him and help you take your next step. So welcome to the X. You can stop off at Next Steps today. You can step into that. Do that. It's coming up December 4th. We need to fill that room because I, I feel like if we're going to have a message that's going to challenge us, let's respond to that, okay? So December 4th is the next one. Welcome to the X. Now for all of us as a community, let me give you two practical ways this season, just this season, we're just going to talk about this season, that we can be a part of the movement of the church. The first one is something called Hope Day. You've already heard us talking about it. Hope Day is coming up. Hope Day is just one day in the holiday season where we as a church, you know what we do? We leave and we give up the things that we would do for ourselves on a Saturday. And we step into serving someone else. It's kind of like XO Week, if you ever do that in the summer, but one day. It's coming up December 4th, Hope Day. And here's what I could tell you is that in the holiday season, it's supposed to be a time full of cheer and merry, and we're supposed to have jolly fun. But the reality is that a lot of people are living without hope right now. And sometimes the season even highlights that. When you don't know Jesus, who is the hope of the world, you don't have that hope in your life. And so you're trying to find it around you. And guess what? I think one of the most important things that we can do as the church is that we would shine the hope of Jesus into our community. So guess what? Guess what? I know it's not on Sunday. I know on Sunday that's the one day when I get out of my house and I go to church, but that's not what Jesus called us to do. We're the ecclesia. And so on Saturday, we're actually going to gather and we're going to serve. We're going to be packing meals that we're going to send to Haiti, thousands upon thousands of meals, and they need some serious help right now. And so we need like 100 people to show up for that. We're going to be going to the furniture bank in Columbus to put together furniture for families in need. We're going to be going and serving a drug rehab facility that people that are dealing with addictions to help them. We want to minister to them. We're going to be putting together cards and gift baskets of encouragement that we're going to give to people who are locked up behind bars in, in the correctional institutes. You know why? Because they need some hope right now, and Jesus loves them just as much as he loves any of us, and he died for them. And so, look, these are some of the events. Here's my challenge. Today, don't leave this space without actually signing up. You can do it online, but my challenge is this is what, this is what it means to be actively following Jesus. Do you follow me? Follow me? Okay, let me give you a second one. Second one that we can all do this season if you're part of this church, and that is our end of the year offering called our movement offering. On December 12th, we do this every year, by the way. So if you're newer, let me just get you used to it. Once a year, we come and we give above and beyond a regular giving to really propel the vision forward, but also to, so we can serve needs in our community. And so December 12th is our end of the year offering. Here's the way I always frame it, because I know this is true in my life is that every Christmas season that we spend so much time and energy buying gifts and giving gifts, let's be honest, even to a lot of people, we don't like that much. You know what I mean? There's some family members, and I'd be fine if we didn't exchange anymore. You know, there's some friends, there's some, you know, whatever group you're in, and you're, okay? Here's what I say. The whole reason this season exists is because of Jesus. Like the three wise men that came to Jesus and they brought some gifts, 
We, as his followers, we want to do the same thing. It's, by the way, this is, we only do this once a year. We don't, by the way, you should know, we don't pass offering plate every single week. We talk about giving for 15 seconds. We say, here's some of the ways that you can jump in because we believe generosity is our privilege. But this one time of year, I want to challenge you to give above and beyond. Now, let me say this. If you are a regular tither, you give regularly to this church, whatever it is, but you're a consistent giver, can I please just say thank you so much? I just want to say how grateful I am. I am for you because we get to have stories like Brittany's and other people's stories. Their life is impacted because this space and this community exists. And it does not exist without the support of every person here. But here's what I also know that there's hundreds of you that are newer and maybe you've been coming for a while, but you don't give. Maybe this will be the challenge to step into it. Maybe this will be the time to start. So December 12th, I want you to pray about it with your family. Now listen, there's no obligation. This is, this is a completely... This is one of those things that if you want to be a part of really moving it forward. Now, let me tell you what we're going to do with this. We use this to really help propel our vision forward in the next year to reach more people, to do more things. We like to do events. We like to do serving events. We like to do all these things. But we're also, you should know this, we take 10% of everything that is given to the church. And that includes these kind of offerings. And we designate it specifically for outreach purposes to affect the community, to serve people in our own community that are struggling financially. We want to be able to help people even this season. If you're struggling within this community, we want to be able to help you this season, okay? This is, we're going to take this 10%, we're going to take part of this and we're going to help people, families in need. But there's two organizations specifically that I wanted to support this season. And I want to tell you what these two organizations are. The first one is Stowe Mission. How many of you ever served at Stowe Mission before? Yeah, Stowe Mission, it's an incredible organization that we partner with, and we go into um, Stowe Mission on a regular basis. We have a team that serves every single month where they're serving thousands and thousands of meals, okay? They're serving the, the public all the time, and these are the people who are, they, they don't have anything. Many of them homeless. They don't have food. They don't know where their next meal's coming from, and so they're there just to show the love of God, and so we partner with them every year. Not just in serving, we give them money as a church. We f help fund them. Well, a couple weeks ago, we were uh, notified that um, somebody broke into Stowe Mission and stole thousands and thousands of dollars of gifts and things that they had been collecting to give to people in need this season. Thinking, who does that? Okay, this is a mission. And we found out about it, and they're one of our partners, and we're like, not on our watch. We are not just going to allow them to go without or all these families. And so guess what? We're going to help out. We're going to not only help out financially, but listen, here's where all of you can. There's an event on Hope Day, and we're going to give you on your way out of the doors a, a paper bag with some um, categories of gifts that you could buy and bring back to Hope Day so that we can restock and refill everything that was stolen. Amen? So Stowe Mission, we're going to help them. That's part of what we're doing with this offering. The other organization is called Lifeline, Lifeline Missions. Uh, whenever we serve and pack meals, we do it with Lifeline. They're an incredible organization. We support them financially as well. But not only are we going to be here serving meals, but we're going to go beyond that. Lifeline Mission has um, a vision to help plant churches in areas around the globe that really need, um, they need the message of Christ in that area, and they need also some real help. And so they shared with us this vision they have of planting a church. They're kind of like these container-type churches. They use these containers and put a building over so they have a place to meet. And it actually creates vocational center in these containers. There's going to be a medical clinic, dental clinic in these containers. And they have, um, they have a couple people that are going to be there to help start that church that I believe actually came to the U.S., 
uh, became medical doctors, but rather than building their life here as medical doctors, they're going back home to serve as missionaries to help plant this church in San uh, Felix, Panama. And so they need a bunch of churches to help support. So guess what? We wanted to be one of the churches. And so we're going to, and so part of this offering is going to go toward helping that church get established. I don't know about you, but this feels like movement. This feels like what the church was meant to do. Why don't you stand up on your feet? I'm done. I'm done. Matt. This is, this is the church. I want you to hear this. This is what you and I were called to be. Christianity, this, this idea, I just believe in God. I compartmentalize my life and I add a little bit of God to my life so that hopefully he'll bless me. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you wanna be my disciple? Come follow me. And by the way, leave something behind, but I've got something better to give you in store. I've got a reward for every person based on what they've done. And so it's not about works. Please hear this. But true faith should result in action and movement in our lives. And I don't know about you, but this is what I want to be a part of. The church, we're not a building. We're a movement. And our movement exists to help people get on the path to God. Our movement exists to reach people who are far from God and bring hope into their life. Our movement exists to go into a broken world that people are dying without Christ. And we're going to bring the love of Jesus. We're going to bring the hope of Jesus. We are exist for this. We are called to be a movement. This is not just a church. It's a movement. And so I, I pray that today something's stirring in you. I pray today, yeah, I, I hope, I want to light a fire in your gut today. I want, you to, I want you to be bothered today. If you're someone who's been standing on the sideline but not actually getting involved, I want you to feel so affected by this because this is what Jesus called us to do. Please hear this. We don't go to church. We are the church. I don't go to church. I am the church. You should say that out loud. Say, I am the church. Say, I am the church. I don't go to church. I am the church. And I'm going to be the church, and I'm going to step into the movement. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray right now. I pray that, God, this word would get inside of us, and I pray that, God, it would bother us. I'm convicted by this. I'm stirred by this. Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've made it, that I've somehow made following you to be some intellectual exercise or some kind of thought thing only, but it's not been in action. It's not been in deed. It's not been expressing my faith through the works and the things that you've created me to do. And so, God, today, we as a community, we just accept the challenge. We embrace the challenge that, Jesus, you've called us and you've sent us to go and to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, to, to, to make disciples of all nations to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and to teach them everything that, God, you have shown us through your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that even right now we would receive this mission. God, help me help someone get on the path to God. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you, and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church, or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? 
And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.